Listeners, did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. That's a lose-lose situation for you and the planet. Nobody's trying to have that. Enter Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. The idea is simple. They offer refillable cleaning products with a beautiful cohesive design that looks great on your counter. Fill your reusable bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. Genius! You'll never have to grab bulky cleaning supplies on your grocery run again. Refills start at just $2.25. Blue Land is trusted in over 1 million homes, including mine, y'all. When I received my first shipment of Blue Land, I was blown away by how this simple concept just makes so much sense. It's so easy. You just drop the tablet into the stylish functional bottles and get your clean on. I love the subscription option because I am not trying to get one more bulky item in my cart. Blue Land products really get the job done and leave my home smelling so fresh and clean. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash clink. You won't want to miss this, guys. Blueland.com slash clink for 15% off. Hi, and welcome to Housewives of True Crime. Welcome. Welcome. I am Tabitha. Give me Dateline, white wine, and I'll pick up your kids in the carpool line. The next day, right? Yeah, the next day. Okay. And I am Gretchen. I like white wine, true crime, and in bed by nine because I have a lot of stuff to do in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are housewives of true crime. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> it's real early in the morning. It is. We are in Napa. We are. We are. So good morning, Gretchy. Good morning. Clink, Tab. clink. I had. It's a real special occasion. It is a real special occasion. Yeah. I mean, we get together a lot, but we don't get together a lot with our friends. No, we don't. So. Yeah, we made it all the way up to Napa, and you probably have already listened to our bonus episode, and we gave some real juicy stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 But what we came here to do was have a lot of fun, and we're doing just that. Yeah, we are. (laughs) But leading up to coming here, Gretchen, what? Did you Uh, have some fun this week? Oh, yeah. It was fucking barrel of monkeys. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get, no. get your kids organized for your husband. Oh, yeah, no, and no, 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 no. This week was shit, but uh, you know, getting it all together. Yeah, getting home from Lake Tahoe, the camping and unpacking and all that nonsense, and you know, a bunch of other crap. And then I got my hair did for this trip. Mm-hmm. It's cute. It's all right. And um, I got myself a spray tan. Yeah. I did think you were looking kind of dark. I know, but you know, you can see right here on my hands, I didn't follow oh, the instructions. Yes. So I got that like real ghetto 
<laughs> I see that brown palm I look. Didn't, I didn't notice it until you just showed me, so it's okay. Yeah, well, I'll tell you why. Is because I went to go get the spray tan and I didn't, I made the appointment and I didn't have time to shave, exfoliate, exfoliate, do all that shit they tell you you're supposed to do, you know, whatever. But I didn't have time to shave my areas of importance, most particularly. (laughs) (laughs) I realized it when I was already driving there. Okay. So I just, I opted for my, um, to wear my underwears. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to expose that poor girl, <laughs> you know, because if you've got a spray tan, you know, they get all up in your business. Oh yeah, they do. Right. You know, they're like, I can mean, you just bend over a little bend bit? Bend over a little more, a little more. <laughs> Gotta get in there. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, well, okay, whatever. Like I'm wearing a black thong, so I'll just wear that. Yeah. yeah and it turns out I have holy underwear. <laughs> Oh, God. Like, that does not surprise me at all. Like, oh, my God. Like, I, I guess I just don't pay attention to, like, all these holes in it. Like, that poor girl oh was probably like, God. like, what is going on? Why wouldn't you just take them off? Why would you show me that you have holy underwear? Be just, like, because what it was worse underneath. Throw them away. Okay. Okay. And maybe we get some sponsors. I'll get some new underwears. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I know, actually, um, I get the Stitch Fix box. They are not a sponsor, but I do get it oh, yeah. to kind of just see. And they send some cute stuff. And now they just started sending underwear. Really? In it. Yeah. And they're hanky pinkies, oh, yeah, which is good. Yeah. Underwear is one of those things. I have a hard time buying new underwear and bras. Well, when it just gets sent to you in the box, you're like, great. Oh, yeah. No, it's nice to have, right? But I'm like, nobody sees it, so whatever. Well, the husband hopefully sees it. Mm, or not. He prefers nothing at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I did not get a spray tan. You didn't? But I did get you my... You look tan! I know, I do. Because I went to Cabo. Because you live a life of leisure. Oh, yeah. And on I play the regular. tennis. Yeah, I play <laughs> tennis. Yeah, I do life of leisure. So... I did get my makeup done for that photo shoot. Remember oh, I told you about that? Oh, my God. You guys are going to die. Tabitha is a supermodel. Uh, I I did look like a supermodel. She really did. But, you know, the guy that took our pictures, he yeah. did not think I looked like a he supermodel. Didn't. Well, no. When I came down, he was like, oh, you're not fancy. What? I sent you a picture. I looked real fancy. You did. You know, and it really, I, at first it was like, Okay, like, what do you think is not fancy about me? And then he was like, yeah, your outfit is not fancy. And it was fancy. It was super chic. It was chic. That's what it was. And I was like, well, my friend did the same photo shoot for this magazine. And I was like, did you think she was fancy? And her family was fancy? And he's like, oh, my God. They were amazing. And I'm like, well, they are amazing. But, you know, the husband had a leather jacket on and a t-shirt. Oh. Yeah. So it was like, well, nobody, I mean, she had like a really awesome, beautiful skirt and yeah. like shirt, like a top. It was edgy. Their shoot was edgy. And I feel like our shoot was going to be a little edgy and cute and hip too. And yeah. he was not into it. He was, but he was really into my friend, but not into He's me. He's not feeling you. So what'd you do? Did you change? Oh, dude, I changed like three different times. We had 
we had hours of photos. My kids were screaming. So the photo shoot is supposed to be like in the context of you just hanging out at your house and it's supposed to look like you just walk around your freaking house in like ball gowns or some shit? No. Well, the cover is supposed to be real fancy, I guess. And, but dude, I'm telling you, I mean, this is definitely not what my line of work should be because I was yelling at my kids. My kids were tired. They were hungry. Oh, no, 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 no. I hate it. I sent somebody to go get McDonald's for them in the middle of it because I'm like, this is not working. Yeah. And then he came back the next day because he didn't get the right shot and we had to recreate. Did you have to do your hair and makeup all over again? Yes. Yes. It was. Oh, yeah. Forget it. I actually didn't know if the makeup girl was going to be able to make it. So I slept in my makeup real carefully. Oh, yeah. And then I went to soccer all day with my two kids real carefully. And she ended up coming and touching up. But she couldn't believe that so I like that mom at the soccer field that has like full lashes oh, on that I make yeah. fun of. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually put. <laughs> always like that bitch thing she is. Yes. I put a hat on and big sunglasses because I didn't want to be that person. I was like, nobody can see me right now. Yeah. It was real challenging to say the least. But I'm going to be real happy when. We get the cover of the magazine, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll do a lot of bragging about that. And then I went to Chuck E. Cheese the next day for a birthday party. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Colton. Yeah, my son had a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese, and it was, well, it started off real bad. How could it be bad? It's so easy. You just show up, right? You would think so. So we had the 9 a.m. slot, which is real early. So Oh, yeah, that's why I didn't go. Yeah. That's real dumb. Who has a birthday party at 9 well, a.m.? if you have it at 9 a.m., it's Chuck E. Cheese to yourself because Chuck E. Cheese doesn't really open until 11. I ain't trying so, to get up that early on a weekend. I know, but whatever. I mean, I did it. Okay. okay, good for you. So I brought coffee for the adults, and the guy... The manager at the Chuck E. Cheese mm-hmm. was like, you can't bring in that coffee because we sell coffee here. I was like, you sell coffee? He's like, yeah, we have K-Cups for $3. A, $3 a, a piece for a K-Cup? Yes. And he's like, I said, okay, so you want me to pay for each one of my guests to have $3 coffee? He's like, yeah. So I got real annoyed because that's not the way I roll. And yeah. so I told him, I'm like, hey, you know, the other Chuck E. Cheese, they let you bring in coffee. And he's like, well, I'm going to call the district manager on that lady. It's like, well, that's real dick. Yeah. And that's what I told him. You said that's real dick. Yeah. <laughs> and then he wouldn't hold the door open for me to get like the decorations out that I brought. And he said he was going to. So my boys were inside playing. That's what you get for calling him a dick tab. I know. And then he shut the door and locked me out while my kids were inside. Oh, that's terror. Terror. I almost had a freaking heart attack. You can't have your kids alone with a Chuck E. Cheese guy. No, no. I mean. You banged that door down. I was banging the door down. I was real PO'd. Yeah. My husband got there and he took care of the situation and we brought the coffee in. Oh, yeah. He's feisty. Yeah. So my guests were able to get coffee. Get their coffee. (laughs) I'm glad it all worked out for you. It did. It did. So that was my weekend. Oh. But I'm real glad we're here now, except for I got a little hungover this morning. We'll talk about that in the bonus episode that we're going to record next that you're we'll actually going to hear before this up, one. Taken care of. Yeah. yeah. But you guys, I mean, 
we are doing a Napa story. Yeah. And we're actually on the same street, Gretchy, right now as it happened. Where it happened. Really? Yeah. So we'll, I'll take you by there. Okay. Yeah. Snap a couple pics. Yeah. So that's kind of uh, interesting, right? You ready to get on in it? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So. I wish I had another cocktail. Oh, Gretchen is drinking mimosas right now. Yeah, but you know what? This is the truth. I had half the glass of wine that I paid like some obnoxious amount of oh. money for at the hotel bar and I didn't want to see it go to waste and I didn't drink it before I fell asleep. So I went and got myself some orange juice to add to it. Fashioned <laughs> to myself a little flat mimosa. Oh my God, that sounds real gross. <laughs> Does it? And well, I'm happily buzzed right now and you're not, so. Well, I don't that? have a headache anymore, so I'm real happy. Yeah, that's good. And you know that hotel bar? It's yeah. really expensive. Oh my god, you guys, Tabitha is like the biggest baby ever. She woke up all oh, oh I did. I need some Advil. <laughs> are you texting them? I'm like, no, I'm sleeping, bitch. Our friends are in the next door uh room. And so I'm like, text them right now. I need Advil. Yeah, I did. Help and me. then I would like properly kicked her out and was like, I'm gonna sleep. Yeah, you did. Yeah. While she was watching Love and Locked Up or something. Yeah, I watch it to fall asleep. Love and lockup? Life after a lockup. Life after a lockup. You guys. Listen, it's good. It keeps me now. I'm in the know about prisons, which helps with this podcast. Consider it research. Oh, and you know that wine we had last night was called Prisoner. Prisoner. It was really good. Yeah. Oh, I have a headache. Okay. So, Gretchen, this story takes place right in the heart of where we are. The Napa Valley. The Napa Valley. All right. And unlike our weekend, we're going to have this one, unfortunately, ends up a crime scene. Does? Well, of course, or we wouldn't really be talking about it, right? That's true. Okay. So, actually, the story didn't start here. The story started in Minnesota with a guy named Robert Dahl. Robert Dahl. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. D-A-H-L. I have a friend from high school named Christina Dahl. We have a lot of friends with the last name Dahl. Oh, yeah, we do. Laura, Cindy. Yes. Yeah. Same, spelled the same way also. Yeah, I wonder the if they're related. Way. I think Laura listens sometimes. Hi, Laura. What up? Uh, maybe Christina listens too. Maybe they're related because they're all from Ventura. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. But Robert's not from Ventura. He's from Minnesota. He's a big white guy with a big presence. Kind of like trying to give you like a visual okay 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 he was married to a lovely lady named janelle and they had three kiddos okay robert was a business guy and he was like one of those business guys with big hopes big dreams big talker okay but i think he's like talks a talk but maybe not walks a walk okay you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so he got a little in a little trouble in minnesota he was sued a couple times. He was sued by banks, credit companies. He owed people lots of money. And it seems like his maybe mouth was bigger than his wallet. Okay. So by the time he was in his 40s, he basically burned all of his bridges in Minnesota and decided to head out west to the wealth industry of San Francisco. San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Where we like flew into. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he was just looking for, you know, more money. Yeah. Aren't we all? Not more problems. Yeah, we all are. Yeah, we all are. Searching for the tree. Yeah. The tree, the money tree. Yeah. I brought you one. I know. <laughs> it's. I thought it was working, and then I think, I think it, it's that it stopped working. No, I think it's still going to work. Okay. We're in negotiations. Oh, okay. Okay. So, according to an attorney named Steve Lodge, who was quoted in an article I read, Robert actually was able to move out to the West because he had a business in Minnesota where he made this antimicrobial solutions called Duraban, and he sold it to these investors. Like hand sanitizer? I think it was like when you build things, you spray this antimicrobial, and then you can build on top, and so like mold doesn't... Oh, okay. That's what I I think. So this investment company bought the solution, and then they were like, oh, you know what? This shit doesn't work. Oh, and, yeah, and you so, can't mess around with mold. No, and so they wanted their money back from Robert, and somehow they made a deal, right? So he didn't, somehow they came to some agreement, and he ended up getting some money, not all the money. And that's what he used to move himself out to the West Coast and decided to take up being a, a vinter or like a winemaker. A winemaker. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So. You know, he had the dream of wine, like everybody in Napa does. Yeah. We have the dream of wine also. We really do. Not making it, though, but... Making it is a lot of work. Yes, it is a lot of work. It's like straight farming. I know, my sister has a winery. Yeah, she does. She does. She does. We don't drink her wine, though. Not really. No. In 2011, Robert and his friend Phil Lutgen started a bottling company called The Shiners, which I think he would like that name. Yeah. Now, Gretchy, you actually know a wine that was made in this bottling facility. I do. You do. Uh, so Gretchen and I listened to this podcast called For Crying Out Loud. Oh, yeah. That's one of the first ones I started listening to. I think it's the first one I ever started listening to also. Mm-hmm. You still listen sometimes, and I listen every once in a while. And the wife is Adam Carolla's wife, or like one of the moms on the thing. On the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Her name is Lynette, and they had a wine called Mangria. Yeah. And Robert bottled Mangria for them. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she's talked about some drama with the... Yeah, there's drama. Yeah, I don't sure. remember. He doesn't bottle it anymore. I'll he tell doesn't. You that. Okay. No, they moved on. Okay. I think that this. I think he burned lots of bridges on he his did. way down. So Robert also met a man named Imad Tafilis. Sometime between 2011 and 2013, I can't like some articles say 2011. Okay. Some Fair enough. Okay. It's somewhere in between. Okay. Imad, he was a Silicon Valley financial guy that had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he also had a dream about making it big in the wine industry. So I, I see this a lot where guys or women or men or people in general, human beings, they really have this fantasy of 
having a winery. Oh, vineyard. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like a real elitist yes. deal. So after a lot of digging, I finally was able to find where Imad worked or where he made his money. And he had an investment company called Lexington Street Investments. So Imad's investment company was to loan Robert Dahl's wine company called Patio Wines. And this Patio Wines was actually a Minnesota company. He was going to loan him over a million dollars, just over. All right. Ahmad wasn't worried about having his name on the bottle. He was a pretty private guy. He yeah. just wanted to make money from it. Yeah. You know, be like part of it. So I even, I actually reached out to somebody on Facebook to kind of get more information because he at one point said that like he knew Ahmad and like, Back in the day, Ahmad decided he was going to invest in wine and he was also going to invest in movies. That's another thing that people like to do. So statusy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he funded a movie and he played like a small role and he had a producer title in it. (laughs) Way to jerk yourself off, dude. (laughs) Oh, he's not here anymore. So, okay. 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 So, Anyways, he loans Dahl $1.2 million, and he brings 800000 of that in cash in a duffel bag. Whoa. And we were just talking about... Spread it all out all over the bed and rolled in it. <laughs> I'm sure Robert did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. I asked... Okay, so I... Every article is just like, yeah, he brings this, like, duffel bag of, like, cash to Robert. How I'm like, it's that, that? that's freaking weird. crazy. I'm not like a business person, but I don't think that's the way to really, nope. you know, do it. But I did run that by my husband, who is a business person, and yeah. he said it's possible. Like, it's not unheard of. Yeah. Sometimes you need to make deals in cash. But he did say that that would definitely alert the FBI if you go to the bank and, and withdraw, you know, oh, yeah. a million bucks. 100%. So I'm sure everything was legit because this guy owns an investment company and whatever. So in 2013, Robert opened Napa Point Brewing with another partner, and then he just shut it down like a year later because it's losing like $100,000 a month. Mm. And like I said, this guy like had big dreams, right? Yeah. But he also was burning bridges in Napa, and I think people started to notice over the like quick couple years that he was here that maybe... His business decisions weren't so good. Yeah. It's phony baloney. He was phony baloney. Okay. And his lifestyle wasn't phony baloney, though. Robert lived in a mansion. He had, like, real nice dinners, nice cars. He was living the life of luxury. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. His businesses, on the other hand, were kind of failing. But... He didn't tell anybody they were failing. He kind of was like, oh, yeah, it's great. Everything's awesome. Sneaky. So in 2014, he leased a winery, the one that I'm talking about right down the street on this very street that we're on. And it was a quaint little winery right on Solano Avenue. Okay. And I looked up the TripAdvisor reviews and they were all really good. People talked about meeting Robert and how he would sit down with them and talk about, you know, making the wine. And he had a little Yorkie dog and they met his wife and everybody was like real happy that this guy was such a amazing dude. Okay. But it's kind of no surprise that 
he was nice to guests because, you know, he's like a talker, smooth yeah. talker kind of guy. In 2014, mid-year, around June, July, Ahmad kind of figured out that maybe Robert was a con and his return on his investment wasn't really coming through. Shoots. Yeah. So, you know, Ahmad decided to sue Robert. That's what you do. That's what you do. So Lexington Street Investments sues Robert for fraud and breach of contract. And Robert then goes ahead and sues, countersues, and says that Ahmad's interest rate was erroneous. Okay. Now, by Christmas time, the judge had ordered Robert to start giving the collateral to Ahmad, which is like his his wine stuff that he had purchased. Okay. Right? And it also, at this time, Ahmad found out that Patio Wine, the place where he yeah. donated his money, yeah. was defunct. And Robert was taking all of his money and putting it in those other businesses um, that Ahmad wasn't even on. That's not nice. They were, you know, they were kind of hashing it out. Okay. And in March of 2015, they had come to an agreement that they were going to meet and they were going to talk to their lawyers and they were going to kind of work something out. So Ahmad comes to the winery. Robert's like, let's go to the winery. We'll have a conference call. They're sitting around a table. They call the lawyers and the lawyers are like, okay, we're making some progress and go ahead and let's end this call. You guys kind of talk it out. Call us back on what you agree on. So the lawyers are sitting by, they're waiting for like five minutes. And what happened next is something that no one expected. Robert actually drew up a manifesto and tried to make Imad sign it. So once they hung up the phone, Robert put a gun to Imad and said, you have to sign this or I'm going to fucking kill you. I feel like every time I hear the word manifesto, it is associated with some kind of killing Crazy, crazy guy with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy guys with guns like manifestos. And when I say those words, like, you know, I acted like I was Robert. I don't really know what happened in that room. Yeah. Nobody really knows what happened in that room, but I'm just going to pretend that I do like a movie. Okay. I'm going to make it up. So he's like, you know, yeah. Sign this. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. Okay. And... In the manifesto that I read, it basically says that Robert never gave Robert Iman never gave Robert the money, never loaned him anything, made the whole thing up, and it claims that no illegal transfers between business partners ever occurred. I oh, mean, so like, he's real he's reaching real far. Can you even imagine? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Okay, I dreamed it. Iman <laughs> yeah. is like, Are you fucking kidding me? No way. I'm not yeah. signing this shit. Yeah. So the Robert shoots Imad. Where'd he shoot him? I think he shot him in the stomach at this point. Oh. So Ahmad starts running, bleeding, oh. running through the vineyard. Oh. Calls 911 and is on the phone with 911 like, this crazy ass shot me. I need help. Right? And Robert is now chasing him through the vineyard. Oh, my God. He's going to bleed out and die. Well... He makes his way all the way through the vineyard to the like corner where the street is right when the 
police are pulling up and the police actually see Robert execute Imad. No, he shot him again? Mm-hmm, in the head. Execution style. Really Ooh. sad and unfortunate. At that point, Robert takes off, right? Okay. And by the way, he had a 22 caliber gun with a silencer on it with lots of ammunition. Yeah, sounds like the kind of guy that writes a manifesto. Yeah. So he ends up taking his SUV, as they say. Yeah. And driving all the way through Napa, California, on the run from the police. Oh, geez. And not too long after, they found, or they, like, come up on him. He's His car's, like, hit a tree. And he's dead. Also, self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Gosh, I don't you just hate that. Like, just kill yourself. You don't need to kill this other guy. Right? And he has a wife and three kids. That's so wrong. What a disaster. Yeah. It's a real drag. It is a real drag. All over money. Yeah. Two lives lost. Family totally ruined. And so the winery actually, because he just leased that property, the winery obviously was shut down. Yeah. And I think that the property is for sale right now for about $6 million. So if you would like to... Have yourself a new little winery up in Napa for six million bucks. It's on a nice street. It is on a nice street, but it has kind of a bad, I don't know, you could make something of it actually. It could be like. We could start a winery. We could have the housewives of true crime wine. Oh, that sounds fun. It does. It does. So I actually have a special surprise for you in this case, Gretch. Yeah, I do. You have a hidden cocktail. Yeah, actually. You do? Kind of. So I know this family from Napa, Tyson and Jenny Rippy, who own Rippy Family Wines. I'm going to open some up for you right now. Yeah. She's been holding out on me. I know. I know. So Tyson and Jenny actually grew up here. And naturally, I thought that maybe they would know about this story or know Robert. Of and, course, you have friends that live up here. And guess what? What? They do. They, they do? Yes. So Tyson actually. And we are so connected to murders. Well, no, I mean, I hope not. But sort of. Sort of. So Tyson did know Robert. And Tyson also is a real good friends with Robert's winemaker. And so we're going to call them up right now and talk to them about this case. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm going to just call them up. Okay. All right. Hello. Hey. Hey, Tyson and Steve. It's Tab and Gretch from House Lives of True Crime. Yeah. How are you guys? Good. Thanks so much for taking our call today. We are super excited to talk to you guys. I actually just did the episode of Robert Dahl for Gretchen. She had never heard the story before. So it was quite a surprise being in Napa and talking about such a crazy story for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not normal everyday Napa sort of occurrence for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I hear Napa's like one of the safest places to be. So I wanted to to uh, have the listeners hear from yourselves who you each are and 
I just wanted to say Gretchen and I are actually enjoying Tyson's wine right now. And Gretchen's drinking the what, Gretchen? Sauvignon Blanc. Yep, because she's the white wine drinker and I am drinking the crossings, not the crossroads. And we are enjoying <laughs> them thoroughly. It's so good. Nice, you guys like them? Yes. Yes. Amazing. Right yeah. up our alley. Yeah, so Tyson, tell us who you are. Okay, my name is Tyson Rippey, and I have been in and around the wine business pretty much my whole life, uh, basically in, in Napa area proper, I guess you'd say. And my family's been in the wine industry for, I guess I'm technically third generation, if you want to say it that way. And primarily what my family does is uh, we have a couple, I would call large wineries, and our, our main sort of niche in the industry is making wine for other wineries, which a lot of consumers probably don't even know exists, that sort of facet of the industry. But we're basically a middleman, and other wineries pay us to make their wine for them, which I know kind of sounds crazy, but it happens in a lot of different industries. And so that's primarily what we do. And then we are also grape growers and also have two brands of our own, one of which you're drinking now, which is called Rookie, and then which is my last name, obviously. And then we have a couple other brands as well. I don't know if you want me to list them off, but that, that's kind of what. Yeah, I like the one okay. with the crown. Um, that's really the one with a the green. crown is called yeah rain like uh, you know r e i g n like yeah a king and then we have a brand called sip like take a sip and then we also have a brand called concrete which I know sounds weird but wine has been made in concrete vessels for probably a hundred plus years in different parts of the world and has now come back into fashion in a big way. They're basically these concrete vats and really high wineries in Napa and other parts of the world make wine in those. So in Lodi at our facility out here, we have these really old, like 75 year old concrete tanks and uh, we chose to name a brand after it. So it is kind of a weird name, but it's, it's a, uh, no, I guess sounds cool. one. like <laughs> industrial chic. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. And, and exactly. Tyson and I have known each other for, I think, about five years now, Tyson. Sounds about right. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, um, we met in Cabo, right? Yeah, we met in Cabo. Yeah, lots of Cabo. lots of spring breaks ago. We can't yeah, remember any yeah, of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and Steve, tell us about yourself. Sure. So I'm a winemaker. I have a degree in winemaking from UC Davis. Uh, I've been working in the wine business for the past 22 years. Worked at wineries in Napa. I had a winery up in the Sierra Foothills. Mostly over the past 10 years, I've been doing consulting work. So consulting winemaking for people like Adam Carolla. I made his first run of his product called Mangria. I've been working for... E40 for Earl, Earl Stevens for about the past six years on his label, Earl Stevens Selections. And I have a small brand, a small winery, and a unique style of tasting room in Sacramento. So all of my wine goes in that tasting room in kegs, and it's all sold in refillable one-liter bottles. So I don't do any bottling. I don't sell wine in any distribution. I only sell it direct in refillable bottles. Oh, that's, that's awesome. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so Steve, I know you are pretty familiar with Robert. 
So <laughs> more so than I care to be, but yes, more and, and uh, probably a lot more than uh, people that were even closely related to the subject. Okay, tell us, tell us, what was the vibe? How did he roll? So, well, so here's the story. I mean, the bottom line is this. Robert Dole was an extraordinarily accomplished con man. And he had been that for 25 years before he got to Napa. And Mm -hmm. nobody really realized that because when I say accomplished, he was charming and he was friendly when he wanted to be. And, you know, he was the guy you'd go out with because he would, he would pick up the check. You know, he's buying all the drinks, everybody, you know, he can order wherever he wants. You know, he's, Mm -hmm. he was that kind of guy, but all the while it was all geared towards, getting him what he wanted which was somebody else's money yeah and you know those types he, we do. <laughs> yeah uh, well and I, I think he really thought that he could be successful in that endeavor in the wine business because uh, he thought everybody was stupid and this is a guy who really really believed that no matter where he was he was the smartest guy in the room <laughs> god uh, you're, yeah, laughing. Sure. you're laughing you're laughing and it, and, no, and I, it's funny. I'll tell you about how I first met him when you're done. That, oh, yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So I worked for him for two and a half years as a winemaker and business development person at California Shiners. And I, I realized pretty thoroughly, I guess is a good way to put it. I, I, I'd come to believe about halfway through that, that he really wasn't a good person to be in business with. Now, I was kind of painted into a corner because I was also making a lot of money and it was hard to get away from that. But I knew things would implode. I could see that he was going down the path, wasting money and making really bad decisions that it was going to fail. Yeah. I feel like maybe you come across that in Napa, don't you? Like being like a seasoned winemaker, like don't a lot of people kind of stroll into town thinking that they can just whip up some money. Yeah, it happens, but it's actually fewer than you think. Because the people who show up in Napa to do that, they have the money to do it. And, and really, they have the money to go to Tyson and his family and say, hey, here's what I need. I need this fruit. I need this wine made. I need this. I need that. And they pay for it. What they aren't capable of is making money. They don't, they don't have the understanding of the business to be successful in it, but they have enough money that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so and, and really, Robert gave the impression that he had enough money that it didn't matter. So he was real uh, he flashy. Real he what? Real, he was real flashy. 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 Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> yes. In his personal way, he was not. He was still a guy from Minnesota who wore polo shirts and jeans. But, you know, he had a couple of really expensive Harleys. And he lived in this big 5,000-square-foot house. And, you know, he, he spent money like it was somebody else's which in fact it which was. it was yeah 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 and how did he treat you it was up and down <laughs> i would say that robert more than anyone contributed to my ability to remain completely calm when somebody was screaming obscenities at me mm, okay he taught you how to do that <laughs> wasn't i learned i think learned. i'm wrong maybe this is just a rumor but was there or was there not like an actual hit list that was found and, and were you were you on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, I, about it, but. two things and one for a lot of reasons. Yes, I would have been 
near the top of that list with another with a small group of people. But no, that was never confirmed. It was never actually found. So I, I don't want to say that it actually existed. Yeah, I did read that he had maybe planned on killing more people than just Imad. Oh, I would have no doubt that, one, he completely believed he would get away with, with murdering Imad and that he would have been happy to kill several other people. Okay, and you could have been potentially, allegedly on that list. I, like I said, I was probably near the top of that list and for a couple of reasons. I mean, I saw what he was doing and saw that he had been stealing from people and taking advantage of people. And I, I did affidavits for Imad for court. Okay. Saying basically that, that Robert was lying in his submission to the court. Yeah. And that did cause him to call me four months before he killed Imad. He called me and, and threatened me. Oh, scary. Steve, how did you meet? Well, <laughs> how did I meet him? Well, so I, at the time I was working for a company that contracted to make wine and then sold it direct to consumers. And I was looking for sources. I was a director of winemaking. So I needed, I needed sources of wine for this company. So, you know, I heard about this winery that has had, that did custom bottling and blending and so forth. And I went over to meet him and I, I was looking for supply but what I saw, at least at the time, I saw an opportunity because he had this big operation, a big bottling line, and he was ambitious. And he had, he says, we don't have all these people calling me to make all this wine and I don't have time to get it all. I don't have time to do it. I said, well, let me do it. Yeah. I'll work that sales line and I'll work with these customers that call and, and want to have wine made. And, you know, you can just pay me a straight commission. You just pay me per case. And I'm good. So that's how it started in January, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Tyson, you said you had a similar kind of story when you met him. Yeah, well, I met him because he showed up at our winery. We have two wineries, but he, the one's in like Cornell's, and the one's in Lodi. So he showed up at our Lodi winery just out of the blue and came in and basically, I think, was going around and sort of trying to make a name for himself, meet people, whatever he was trying to do. It seemed like he was just kind of going door to door to probably, you know, some of the larger wineries that would actually talk to him or whatever. So he just shows up in sort of our lobby area and I came out and, and talked to him and he was pretty much just getting going. And I remember he said he was from Minnesota and all this stuff, but pretty quickly within like the first, I don't know, a few minutes of the conversation, he started to badmouth some, some key like figures in the industry that you do not want to be bad-mouthing because they're very, you know, once again, key and influential sort of contacts that you just wouldn't want. They're basically like brokers and, and people like that that why come into the business and already start, you know, talking bad about people? That's just not what you should do in any industry, right? right. Like you're supposed to be making contacts and, you know, if you're a good person and, and do, you know, straightforward, like, you know, business, these are super key people, like super, super key. Business, I mean, these are entire businesses that I'm talking about. So that just struck me as odd right off the bat. And actually my mentor who's worked for my family for like 30 years was right there as well. And he's, you know, almost 80 years old now, been in the industry for 50 plus years, straight told him to his face, hey man, if you don't want to do business with these people, and you're talking bad about them, like you're not going to make it long in this industry. 
and mm-hmm. he told him that right to his face. And I'll never forget the look he gave him. He just, he was there. Like Robert Dahl just looked at him and he didn't say anything, but it was kind of like, how dare you tell me that? But hey, you know, this was coming from a veteran in the, you know, industry and it was the truth. And yeah, so I should have taken that, that advice. My, that was my initial contact with him. And then, you know, he was, he would always come by and want to get samples of wine. He was, he would basically private label wine. That was the company Steve mentioned, California Shiners. So it's like, yeah. if you're doing a wedding, that, you know, and I'm sure that as the scale grew, Steve can speak to that. But if you were doing a wedding and you wanted your name on the bottle, he would put it on the label for you. Or, and then it would do that for businesses and, you know, larger sort of things like that. So he was always looking to buy wine. And then he would put it in basically his bottle with your name on it kind of thing. So he would come by and, and I remember he went to our other one in Sonoma where my wife works and, and totally had a bad interaction with her as well because he just expected that we would drop everything for him and get him what he was there for. And he just stopped by and announced. And Jenny, my wife, was like, screw you. I'm not going to do that. You know? So yeah. he just kind of rubbed people the wrong way, you know, everywhere he went. And I think, you know, he was a, a smooth talker somewhat. He, you know, got in good with some people like Steve, but I mean, Steve's all writing on the wall. I remember Steve, when you brought, remember we almost did Adam Carolla's wine. And, and yeah, I know. <laughs> still working for Robert and trying to take away one of his good customers because Steve was friends with the guy. And, you know, you want to, he's a good guy. It's like, dude, this guy's getting robbed, basically. He's getting screwed. Let's, let me bring this business over to you guys, you know? So that, those were the kind of things that just started to, unfold on Robert and then you know it ended the way it ended I just think that everything was coming down on him from what I can see and what I knew and I mean I was just you know, a lot more but he just was the kind of guy that made the hair stand up on the back of my neck the first time I met him you know just I just kind of chose to steer clear of him I never did any business with him it was just yeah. like this guy was just smart. you and I knew Steve I probably, I've known Steve for probably what 20 years Steve? Eh, at least 15 or more, something like that. Long time. So anyways, it was like, you know, I knew he had a good guy working for him. I was just... What I can throw in on that is I should have had that reaction to him from the start. I allowed myself to be blinded by my own ambition and think, oh, well, he's just gruff. He's just very straightforward. He just calls it like it is. He's just abrasive like that, but but he's a good businessman. That was my mistake. Mm-hmm. And what happened to his wife and kids? Do you guys know? Yeah. When this happened, of course, everything that they had got seized because mm-hmm. Robert had had over a million dollars in judgment against him. And he had already sold off all the equipment and spent all the money. So he didn't have any assets whatsoever. And all of his all the assets that were that were available got seized. And, and a lot of, I mean, he was only renting the big house that he was in, so that, that wasn't an asset they could see. But yeah. all of his stuff got seized, and his, his wife and youngest son moved back to Minnesota. And his oldest son, Tyler, and Tyler's a great guy. I really, I, I feel bad for, for all of Robert's family, but I spent the most time with Tyler, and he's a great guy. But he stayed here and went to work for another operation outside of the wine business. But uh, Robert's wife and youngest son, who were living out here, moved back 
And I think they were probably there for about a year, 18 months, and then moved back to Napa. And last I heard, they were living in living in Napa and working at a restaurant that's run by the manager of their brew pub when they had the brew pub. No way. Mm -hmm. It's it's quite a story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, did she get with the manager? something like that. I mean, you're not coming all the way back to a place like that without yeah, somebody to I think you would leave and not come back. Yeah, but yeah. you have a, a friend. A friend. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. friend. <laughs> With it's real cold in Minnesota. Yeah. 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 And it's real nice and warm with someone. Yeah, with a special friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully she's doing well because I can't even imagine being married to that douchebag. Um, no, I know, and, and she was, she was, no, but really, and they were, they, I think they were somewhat clueless as to what all was going on, and I think Janelle, to some extent, had an idea mm-hmm. because she'd also been with Robert through the failure and and destruction of other friendships and other businesses that Robert had gotten into. Yeah. The Minnesota Um, businesses. I mean, she went through that. Yeah. She saw him get arrested there, right? He was in jail for a little bit in Minnesota. I mean, I'm sure she did, but she has three kids. And I mean, what are you going to do at that point when you have three little kids and right? three kids and no marketable job skills? Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, no, she, she, she kind of went with what she, what she had and, 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 you know. Right. What right. Are you gonna do? But it's a crazy story for sure. And where were you at the time, Steve? When it happened? Yeah. So I was, <laughs> oh, so let, let's start with leading up to that point because about two weeks before that meeting happened, I was talking to Ahmad on the phone and he said, he, he called me because he said, you know, I think Robert wants to, wants to make a deal. I think he wants to settle this. And I really feel like he's bargaining in good faith. Mm. And I said, well, first of all, and, and most importantly, he's not capable of that. And you should never assume that he's, that he's bargaining in good faith. And beyond that, I said, you should never meet with him in person. You should never go there. If you ever go to that winery, you should never go without a sheriff in tow, period. You should never do this. So I found out that morning because I got a text from Louis Perdue, who had written a bunch of the stories about Robert, mostly because I had been giving him the information. But Lou had sent me a text. He said that he'd gotten this alert from Napa sheriffs that there were shots fired and, and somebody there was a somebody was shot at at the winery so i uh i immediately started calling everybody that i thought might have been shot at the winery which was of course imad and his phone didn't answer he that was for yeah. the obvious reasons but um 
I also tried to get a hold of uh, Doll's ex-partner, Greg Knittle. I tried to get a hold of uh, James Kohler, who was the manager of the property you know, for his family. Doll was renting that winery from, from a family. Right. And Imad was the only one I couldn't get a hold of. And that's, of course, as virtually as it was happening. So between 11 and 1 on, on that Monday. And, and then I talked to um, uh, Imad's lawyer, who basically said the same thing to him that morning. And that is, you should not be going there. I fear for your safety. You know, oh, he told Imad so that. Sad. Of course, Imad, Imad didn't believe it. Imad got buffaloed. You know, he was, he was convinced over the weekend that Robert was bargaining in good faith and wanted to settle this. Yeah, it sounds like Imad really kind of even from the get-go maybe was kind of won over by Robert's charm at some point. And I'm Yes not- and no. I, I think, and I'll throw this out too, because I got this, this sense from Imad on more than one occasion. That is, he really, 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 really wanted to be part of the wine business and got a little blinded by Robert's promise of big profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like when people have a lot of money, sometimes they want to be in the wine business and the movie business, and that's kind of the two things that he yeah. seemed to want yeah. to do. And, and there's a lot of romance in the wine business, supposedly, right? And so you get a lot of people from all walks of life, you know, that come and you know the saying is, and it's probably the same for the movies. You know, to make a small fortune in the wine business, start with a large one. You know, and there's like Steve said, it's not that easy to make money. You know, right? Just, yeah. But it's yeah. got this this romance to it. I was just going to say that that I don't think Imad had a lot of money, and that was part of the problem is that he was desperate to get his his money back. It's all he had. Okay. He didn't. It was the, what he had, what he had given Robert represented his savings, basically. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that so makes sense. Gosh, I mean, it's such a terrible story, and Imad seemed like such a a nice guy. He really was. He was really a nice guy, and and I worked with him work with him on a couple other projects before all this, obviously. But I think he was a, a he was a, a nice guy, and he was an honest guy, and those are the kinds of guys that Robert would look toward to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can tell you this. There was another guy, and, and Tyson knows this story. There's another guy in the Napa Valley who's a similar story. Uh, his name is Jeff Hill. And one of the guys that Robert absolutely could not stand and didn't want to have any part of, didn't want to talk to, was Jeff Hill. Why? Because they were the same guy. They were both con men uh-huh. who would lie and cheat people out of the money. Uh, well, those are the yeah, and the sad, thing, yeah. the sad thing about both of these cowards that he, he mentioned Jeff Hill and, and um, Dahl, like they both pretty much, you know, escaped it without major punishment, you know, in, in Dahl's case, obviously, you know, suicide, but mm-hmm. Jeff Hill has like spent, you know, we, it was white collar crime. He literally stole grapes and did a bunch of just really, really shady, you know, stuff, you know, calling, calling a wine, just, you know, fraudulent things to consumers and people calling a wine from Napa. I'm sorry, like calling a wine from say Fresno, which is, you know, quality wise, nowhere near Napa. In my opinion, he would call <laughs> that wine. Reality. 
Yeah, I know. I'm just being careful to my. Oh, come on. Don't hate on Fresno. We've been to Fresno. We know it's not Napa. It's a beautiful okay? town. Exactly. So, okay. All right. Sorry, Fresno people. Um, but so he would buy grapes from there, say for like $200 a ton, which I know that probably doesn't mean much to you. But that same fruit in Napa, instead of 200 a ton, might be 10000 a ton. So he would buy this these grapes cheap and then call them napa and then oh. literally sell them to people and they're putting them in the bottle and selling you know so he's just a super shady. super yeah. shady crook and he's like there was just an article out about him like in the last couple of weeks that basically he's gonna get off like scot-free damn near like the guy should be freaking you know he, he if you stole someone's sixty thousand dollar car a hundred thousand dollar car however much you stole from people maybe millions if you did that with, with properties like that, you would be, you know, that's, that's grand theft. Yeah, you'd be in prison. And this guy stole people's livelihood, their grapes, their crop, you know. Listen, yes, if you have the, the money, the, we see it all the time. Exactly. These people And that's your bag. Yeah. is still crawling around, you know, and he's still in the industry, ag industry. He got basically booted out of Napa, but he's still doing agriculture stuff in California, which oh. just makes me sick. And yes, he did screw my family. I'll say that. So that's why I'm going off on a tangent about him. Sorry, but I'm I'm very bitter at that individual. That's okay. Sorry about that, Tyson. Well, you guys, thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And yeah. thanks for the wine. No problem. You're guys. welcome. And the can, wine. I, can, yeah, I get one, can I get one last, one last little yeah. plug out there since I forgot to mention, 100%. Forgot to mention the name of my business? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it is called Atchison Wine Company. That's A-C-H-E-S-O-N Wine Company. And obviously, www.atchisonwinecompany.com. And yeah, we're just a little storefront right now in, in uh, Sacramento, but we're hoping to expand and have multiple locations. And Where in wine, Sacramento? Right in Midtown. Midtown. Okay. So we're at Q, yeah, Q19. We're right in Midtown, Sacramento. If you are in Sacramento, please go check them out. That's... No, I it mean, sounds really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, All thank right. you Thanks, so much. Guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. All right, Gretchy. Well, that was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a lot more information than you could ever find on any article. For real. For real. I mean, we got down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. I feel like a real podcast now. You do? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, I thought it was real good because you know how I like to make a lot of assumptions about people. Mm-hmm. Did, well, what were you assuming? Well, of, you know, I just you know, assumed, Steve. Yeah, I mean, you assume that he's like he's just a real jackass. Oh you know, no, he's in real the time. legit. Oh no, no, legit not quit. Steve. I mean, oh Robert was just you know oh no a jackass all the time no, i thought he wasn't i thought he egomaniac was like, always thinks he's you know i think he was an egomaniac but i yeah, think he, he came off to the right people like he was gonna make yeah, them don't buy that those people make my skin crawl i know really truly i can, I can sense it out yeah so that was awesome uh you guys thanks so much for listening and you know go follow us on all those fun sites and give us a rating thanks a good one would be nice five stars is good five stars well if we don't say it who will clink 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 clink